Welcome to the Rebel Influencer Podcast with me, your host, Leona Burton. In a world where conformity often reigns supreme, I am here to spotlight the rebels, the people who are changing the game. This podcast is brought to you by Peaks Private Members Club, the very place to be for successful entrepreneurs scaling past six figures, those people who are looking for long-lasting connections. At Peaks, founded by Nicola Peak, they specialize in breakthrough business and social events that go beyond the ordinary. It's a place where successful entrepreneurs come together to experience transformative mastermind sessions, receive unique mentoring, and build long-lasting relationships with peers on the same growth journey. Stay with us to the very end for an exclusive Peaks offer. Oh my goodness, I'm so, so grateful and excited to have you on. You guys might be listening to this in your ears and not in your eyes, and this lady had me absolutely obsessed with her at our Jack Canfield event. I saw the orange hair before I saw anything else, and then I saw the, the, the fact you were all levels of extra, and I was like... I need to know who this woman is and I need her in my life right now. So I did I did actually stalk you. You might not have realized, but I did I did stalk you throughout the event. I'm not gonna lie, because you're amazing. Princess Monique Films, thank you so much for your time, effort, and energy for being here. I know you are a very, very busy lady. Uh, thank you for having me. I didn't know anyone else stalked besides me. I call it gentle stalking in my world. But I do stalk people as well when I, I'm fascinated with them. But it's so funny to hear what you thought of me because, you know, I just think it's normal. <laughs> I, I mean, I get, I get that. But your energy is amazing. You have this, like, I don't know, you have this very confident energy around you that's not, like, bonkers, but it's like, I know my shit. I'm good at what I do. And I'm just going to exude that. And it's so, that's powerful. And as a woman, like, I'm like, I see you. I see you. And I want to know what you do. So first of all, we must dig into the fact that you have an incredible book, Hood to Hollywood. Now, the title is freaking awesome, by the way. I don't know who created that title. If it was you, you're a genius. You are a genius. But that tells some of your story just in that headline. Can we dig into that a little bit more? Sure, sure. Here, just for the people who don't know. Boom, she's ready. Hit the hell. Bam. I mean, she's fire. She is fire. Yeah, the book. I'm Get so it. Proud of it. <laughs> you should be proud of it. You should be proud of it. So let's talk about your journey a little bit because even though this isn't necessarily a podcast around like motivational, inspirational traditionally. It's about people that are stepping out and going, do you know what? I'm not living in this societal expectation around what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Um, what somebody else has told me that my life should look like. And actually I'm breaking down all the barriers and I'm owning my own stuff and I'm building a life that I love, even when it's not always easy. And it's like, you know, some of that stuff is hard to get through, right? Yeah, you know, let me just mute my phone. Someone's trying to call. Can't mute me talk through this beautiful interview. Anywho, uh, well, you know, it's, you said a lot of things that resonated with me. Um, I think I've just been a rebel since I was born. <laughs> it's like, if everybody's doing this, I'm going to do this. Or I even have a, a, a chapter of my book called Strange Bird. 
If you ever watch a, a flock of birds, you get, they're all together. And then you got this one that's just kind of doing their own thing. And that's always kind of been me from a child to this day. It's like, I don't necessarily, um, I go with what I feel. I don't have to to follow the crowds or I, I, if the crowd is going in a great direction, I, I can be a great follower. But for the most part, I, I'm, I'm a little eclectic and a little different. And being where I'm from, you know, there was not a lot of, you know, positivity happen around me in the hood, you know, so the inner city of Cleveland, Ohio, just there was a lot of negative things happening and it just didn't resonate with me. So I just like went the opposite way. At what age did you realize that actually <clears throat> that life was something that you didn't really want to be involved in? I would definitely say very early on because I was, I've always been a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> and, and people were, you know, this is before this, this gun era, you know, but people physically fought if they didn't disagree or, you know, people, if we want this side of the building, then these guys will go after these guys or, you know, drugs were still kind of started coming into the community. I saw the effects that that had on people. Um, you know, money was scarce. So I, I saw that that there's not very many options as far as like what girls are to do besides, you know, be a prostitute or a stripper or this or that. So I was trying to figure out a way to like not do that. Mm. <laughs> and I actually flocked to, to the church because they had fun programs and we could feed the homeless and I played the little bells in church and it was calm and safe. So I hung out there a lot. That's amazing, though, that you did have that, you know, community within the church to be able to kind of guide you in and keep you away from the stuff that could quite easily have mm -hmm. have, have taken you, right? And and that's a whole world in its in its in itself. So you grew up through in the hood. You grew up in the hood. You saw some things. You experienced some things, you witnessed lots of things, you made a decision that actually that wasn't going to be for you. When did you make the decision to move out of that space physically and go to LA and pursue Hollywood dreams, which is like, it's a big thing. And lots of people actually, you know, when you're young, you, everybody wants to be an actor yeah. or TV. <laughs> I know, the glistening lambs of, of TV. Well, I would say the other thing that actually helped me kind of steer away from the negativity that was happening in my community was just watching a lot of television. And my mother used to put these talent shows on in our building to keep the kids kind of busy and away from that. And we were like, you know, you know, we would like pick our favorite group and put outfits on and we would dress up. And I was this little bossy little girl who was the head of the show. And I had to make sure everybody had their they're, they're act together or you can't be at the show. So it was kind of like this thing that was in me all my, my life. And as I started getting older, I said, well, I want to do something in entertainment. So I started modeling and then modeling led to acting. And after I did so much in Cleveland, because there was really not a scene there for, for that, I was like, okay, I'm either going to New York or I'm going to LA <laughs> to pursue acting and I visited New York and it was cold <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like I'm, from Ohio. I'm getting I need to get away from this cold so I came to LA 
it was beautiful, palm trees, and you know, and I I wanted to have the Hollywood story. Like I'm gonna go to to LA, and someone's gonna discover me. <laughs> so I, I chose LA. You chose so you chose LA. You made that decision to kind of move away from Ohio. You went to somewhere brand new. What was that like? Because you know, I have I I've worked in television for seven years in the UK. I know how challenging it is just inside the UK. My cousin has been involved in the LA scene her entire life, and she's like, you know, people come here with this massive dream, and most people leave broke or you know doing waiting at tables. And you know, we went to when we were in LA. Actually, we went to a restaurant. Everybody in there, the waiting staff were all actors, desperate for their next lucky break. And it's full of people that are searching for that, the next thing. How do you push through that? Because there must be so much rejection in LA is ridiculous, um, especially as a black woman in, in LA, because it is very, even even when I went to LA, it was very, the, the divide between people just in, in general was very evident in wealth pockets and, you know, the racial divide you could still feel in some communities that must have been a hard transition over into a space where women are not represented women of color are definitely not represented and so kind of battling through that expectation from other people must have been quite a challenge yeah you know when i when i first got here i did think you know I, I've always, as you know, been kind of confident in my talents and my abilities. And and I got here and I was just like, you know, someone wants people to see what I can do. It's going to be easy. And then I got here and realized I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> because there was there was a lot more to it than what I knew. And I got into acting classes. and uh, But L.A. is very much like every, I hate to say it, every other place in, in this country is very still much segregated. So I grew up in a black community, but I worked in white communities. I've worked in so many other communities. So I was used to kind of that portion of it. Uh, and unfortunately, it's still that way today, you know, especially within the industry that I work in. But I found myself just constantly trying to get somebody to to help me and to discover me and to put me on. And, and I was constantly doing that. I did that for a few years. And I'm like, something's wrong with this strategy. There's something wrong. And I kept hearing this, this uh, question across the board. What do you want? What do you want? And I'm like, well, I just want to be a star. I just want to be, you know, and it was just very vague. And that's how I got into to Jack Canfield's success principles because his tagline was how to get from where you are to where you want to be. And that intrigued me. So I read his book. And when I wrote my own book, my tagline is how to stop waiting to be discovered and discover yourself. So I decided to push away from everything, go within and really decide what I want and how I want to do things and what works for me and what what's comfortable for me, what makes me shine, what makes me glow, what makes me confident, you know, because having orange hair <laughs> as a director, but I tell you, this orange hair has gotten me a lot of jobs because sometimes they, tell don't, you. they yeah. don't remember my name, but they're like the girl with the orange hair. Where's that? Yeah, girl? I love her work. 
I don't know who she is, but you need to go find her. There's right. not that many people with orange hair that are directors. So it's definitely, yeah. definitely unique. It works in your favor. Yeah, yeah, it's a part of my brand. I don't even know what I would do if I ever tried to change it. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I never do different styles. But a lot of people ask me about the orange hair. And I tell people that one of my favorite things in the world to do is to watch the sunset. And because when I watch the sunset, I see God. I'm like, man's not doing that. That's that's God. That's something bigger than all of us that's making this happen every day. And when I <clears throat> when I look at, at orange, it makes me feel spiritual. And so if I have it on the crown of my head, I feel I feel covered and I feel protected and I feel love at all times. I it's it's the color that just uh if you look around, you see my wall, you see my phone. It's it's everywhere. It's kind of an explosion sometimes. I'm but. sure at Jack Comfy it had like an orange folder and then you had some other orange things. So I was like, she is totally on brand and I'm living for it. Like <laughs> nobody is forgetting about you. There yeah. were probably 150 people in that room and you're one of the people that I remember out of a handful of people. So it well, definitely... <laughs> that's good it definitely works but so okay so you 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 kind of went to LA with this hope that you're going to be a star like you know lots of other people do and then you realize that it wasn't going to happen just for you you're going to have to take those steps in order to be able to kind of really go after the things that you wanted in doing that what was the rejection like because that must have been pretty heavy like coming up against closed doors closed doors closed doors all the time I'm sure at some point that Jack Canfield's stuff really helped you kind of navigate those challenging waters. I mean, rejection, nobody wants to be rejected, right? We just don't, we just don't want to be, whether that's in our love life, our personal life, our business life, the rejection, it's, it's not great. And actors especially have to develop a thick skin, otherwise you'd walk around pretty pissed off most of the time. So how did you effectively navigate that? Because lots of people will listen to this and they're not actors, but they've experienced rejection in their business or, you know, in their love life. Like, how did you develop, you know, tenacity? You know, it was it wasn't until I realized that it, it's a part of the process. When I realized it's just a part of everything that you go through. I mean, in any part of your life, it could be re relationships, it could be career, it can be community. You're always you're not going to be that person for everybody. So your job is to keep going until you go to the person that is for you or for the job that's for you. And when I realized that what's for me will always find its way to me and what's for me, no one else can take. So I don't have to compete with anybody. Um, it, it was just really understanding that principle, adapting it, and just like, I, I don't even think about rejection at this point anymore. I just more so think like if something didn't happen, you know, it wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me. So, and then what else, and usually the things that are not for me are the things that I pursue are small and the things that are really for me become these bigger things than I could ever even imagine. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I need to go with the things that are for me versus the things that are not for me. And right. so I don't take it personal. That's, that's something I learned too is stop taking everything so personal. It's not all about if you're too tall, if you're too dark, if you're too, you know, anything. 
too fat, too skinny. You know, that's acting. Oh, they'll they'll mess with your whole look, everything about you. You if you were just a little shorter, or that other actor's really short, so you're too tall, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, and then in, in modeling, it was like if you could be a little bit taller, <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you could just shrink a little bit, that would be great. And you're like, I'm like, put him on an apple box, he'll be fine. I'm always looking at our feet. <laughs> Yeah, no, nobody sees your feet in films. That's because we don't want to be wearing high heels all day. That's why we don't want to be seeing any feet, right? It's right. So you got into directing. What was your first project? My very first project, well, yeah, I did that first, was a film called The Call. And it was about a girl who, uh, you know, she was she dated a NFL player and finds out that he has HIV. And so the the film is about her waiting for the phone call to see if she's positive as well. And so we get to see a little bit of her life. She has a current boyfriend because this guy she dated years ago. And I always say it was called The Call, but that movie was really a calling like on my life to show me what it is that I'm supposed to do. You know, we won 13 awards with that. And I was like, hmm. I guess there's something here. <laughs> I guess there's something I can I'm pretty do. good at this directing thing. Like maybe I should lean into that. So you have you've directed lots of different types of things. We were just chatting before this about your independent stuff and your kind of more mainstream stuff. So you've directed lots of different varying projects, which is amazing. It gives you lots of experience. And I bet you get to meet the most amazing people. I loved my time in TV because the 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 different types of human that you meet along the way and you can learn so much from so many different types of humans i love that um and you've directed things like blackish which is incredible i mean what what a program to direct oh yeah it's interesting because anthony anderson who was the star of that show i produced showcases around the city like when he was just an actor just trying to get his big break and he was in my showcases and, you know, and to see him blossom and grow and then to, for me to come behind him and be able to direct the show that he was on was really awesome. We were on set like, this is very full circle for us. I was like, yeah. yeah amazing. Seeing that transition and you kind of come up together is so, it's so special. And I think, you know, the television and film industry gets a bad rap sometimes, a lot of the time. But actually, that, that kind of camaraderie in the community that is within, you know, pockets of that industry is, is really special. And I think, you know, community is really, really important for people, for them to feel part of something that is bigger than themselves. So, you know, so when you're transitioning through all those things, you've got you've got a support system. Um, so I know you're working on a couple of projects at the moment. Some of them you'll probably find NDAs. I get it, right? Can you tell us a little bit about any of them? Hmm. Well, there's one that I call my baby. I I wrote it. I'm directing it. I'm producing it. I'll probably be in it. I was going to say, are you starring in it? Are you I'm not starring in it, but I'm known to do cameos. In it. I'm like a little Alfred Hitchcock when it comes down to it. Or Michael. Have you got your orange hair, though? Because we're all going to know it's you. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I might be a waiter. I don't know. I'm going to find something fun within the characters and uh, jump in there. Oh no, Snowy. Right. We've got dogs, kids, all kind of interruptions on this podcast, you find. 
Let me just mute and give. I had to give my mom a voice. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I hear you. Six kids. I'm like, guys, <laughs> don't, don't be interrupting my stuff. So your first, ex your first experience at directing, and now you're up to the point where you've been directing for how long? Because, girl, I don't know what eye cream you use, but I need it in my life. Like, I genuinely thought maybe you were 30. And that is not me lying. I, am I don't believe it either. <laughs> Every time I think about, you know, getting, well, I'll be turning 50 this year. And I'm not one who is afraid to say my age. I'm very happy to be here and feel good and look good. And I feel like I am uh, the best version I've ever been of myself. So I think it's a great thing. So I want younger people to realize that when you become this age, it's not like all of a sudden you're over the hill, you're washed up, like I thought about. But no, yeah. it, it, it's a beautiful thing. I'm I, But I've been in the industry. I mean, well, I got here to L.A. I came in December of 97 because I wanted to start the new year. So I've been here since <laughs> 98, but I lived here 15 years, lived in Atlanta six years, been back here six years. Some kind of way that'll work out in numbers. <laughs> but I've, I've, I've always been a director. And I say that because when I, from the bossy little girl with the talent shows, every job that I, I've ever had, being in management, you know, I've always was over whatever programs that I was in. It's all directing. And I just didn't know it. And mm -hmm. the entertainment entertainment directing definitely came probably in the early 2000s. Wow. What have been your biggest lessons that you've kind of learned along the way? Well, we talked about one, which is what's for you is for you. Yeah. Um, but I love Jack Hanfield's first. And I'm just like, tell Jack Hanfield he owes me some money. I always tell him this because I sell his books all the time because it's a book that I totally believe in. And I believe that transformed and changed my life and got me to where I am outside of the Bible. Uh, but the first chapter of the book is take 100% responsibility for, for, for your entire life. Take 100% responsibility for your entire life. And that, when you can do that and realize that everything is happening not to you, but for you, for me, that was like a paradigm shift. And that every time something happens that I don't like, or I think is or unfortunate, or, oh, I wish I would have gotten that job, or I see someone else getting a job I wanted, I'm like, but this is not happening to you is happening for you. So now there must be something this person is doing that you're not doing to get what you want. So if you take 100% responsibility for that and start asking that question, then new ideas start popping up of what else that you can do. And, you know, what, what else, you know, who else can you call to figure out, you know, how to get what you want to get? <laughs> so Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that. And it is. And even though it doesn't feel like it in the time, it's, you know, everything, it just happened for a reason. It's like, okay, what's the lesson in this? What am I going to do differently? Or how have I got to show up differently? So I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. You're such an inspiration. Um, How are you finding that 
what you're doing now is impacting youngsters because I'm sure there's lots of people young people that look up to you and see your your story is kind of very inspiring and motivating and you know you're really showing people that regardless of where you come from or your circumstances or whatever it is that you know people have experienced you have the decisions you can make the decisions to move yourself forward and you can you can pull yourself up you know anything absolutely. absolutely i i have a program called real black unicorns shameless plug i got a cheap third on oh i love <laughs> it i'm, I'm here it's, it's a mentoring program for african-american female directors and i i was very specific because the journey is very specific and before i had this program i had another program called la princesses in atlanta for african-american teen girls and I can I specialize in being a black girl. <laughs> so I know this experience, right? So a lot of people are like, why don't you have just all women? I don't know all women's experiences. I mean, I feel like we all have to take what we've learned and apply it. But I do yeah. understand how unique it is to like I am also the co-chair of the African American Steering Committee at the Directors Guild of America with Jenna Prince Bythewood and Jeff Bird. And that leadership position shows me all these numbers. And we have 18,000 members in the guild and we have about three to 400 that are black, but then we have about a hundred that actually work in, in the guild. And then if you split that hundred or 150, I think it is, mm-hmm. you got black men who have more of the jobs. And then that smaller percentage is black women or other women of color. Uh, and you start really realizing, oh, this is really, I'm really, really rare in this mm-hmm. space. And how do I help other women that look like me get into yeah. this space? So I started the Real Black Unicorns mentoring program to help kind of bridge the gap and connect dots that took me a long time to do. So it's like, you know, when you learn, you teach. That's a Maya Angelou quote that I I subscribe to. And I feel like it's my responsibility. I I, I got, I'm one of the lucky ones. I got in, you know, so why not help other people? So that's- I I absolutely love that. I really, really love that because I also get a very similar question. So I run an organization that supports, um, it's called Moms in Business International, right? And we support moms. But we also support other women. But I, I, I get asked all the time, why is it called Moms in Business International? And I always say, because as a mom, my experience in business is very different to somebody who doesn't have children, because you have a different set of responsibilities. So, you know, I, I have six children. My experience of running a business is going to look very different to somebody who doesn't have any children. Um, so I understand that. I understand that actually you can use that experience as power and you can help other people. And I think that is amazing. How can people get involved in helping support that? Because obviously I'm a white woman and, you know, but I can absolutely champion and cheerlead you to success in supporting those those things. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, even though that the mentees and the I mean, but mentors are not always African-American women or men, because the world that we operate in is everybody. So it is a program where everybody has a a role or can play a part. Um, Our website is 
realblackunicorns with an S.com. And we are always looking for mentors because regardless, I have African-American female girls and women who are moms, you know, mm -hmm. so you can speak to them in the side of how to work as a mom. You know, um, you live in another country. So people, you know, they want to travel and they want to know how is it where you live and and just seeing someone live someone where else that maybe they come there, you know, they can come to lunch with you or you know, so anytime. It, it, anytime. It's, 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 it's so everyone can be involved. I just curated a specific uh, target group just because there's just not that many. And yes. I would, how about this? I hate to say it's not that many. I feel like, cause our tagline is African-American female directors do exist because they think that we are, we, that's not that many of us, but it's just that, it's been like they're all over here <laughs> and the people who hire them are all over here. So I'm like trying to bridge the gap between the two because yeah. either side is not, not wrong. Cause sometimes the, the, this side will think, well, they don't want to hire us. They don't want to see us. And this side is like, we're doing all these shows. We we have families. We, we, we don't have time to get out and see talent. So that's why I put together showcases and things where you can see this talent you can come out once you know every so many months and now you have talent versus you're you're stuck in that you know running your show you have no time to get out to see anyone unless they pop on tv or something so there has to be other ways to do it so everybody we need men we need women we need all backgrounds because that's the world and we don't work in a all african-american uh I mean, I'm sometimes the only African-American on the set and, and I'm the director. <laughs> so you have to be able to work with everyone and know how to, you know, because it's a beautiful thing. We get to, to meet each other from all different backgrounds and there's so much to learn to pour into our, our own experience. It's, it's always a very interesting conversation for me because the UK is built very differently to the States. So we don't have the same level as... Of, of kind of division as much as the US. So coming from the UK and then going to the US as much as I do, I always find it a very interesting dynamic because we don't have quite the same issues that the US have when it comes to the kind of racial divide. So I always find it fascinating because I grew up in a very, very multicultural city where being actually being white <laughs> you were more of a minority than you you weren't and and I didn't think twice about it you know when I was growing up because that was it was very very normal for me so I always I do find it fascinating and thank you so much for sharing so openly and honest with me because I know it it can be an emotive subject for lots of people but I'm always of the opinion that if we talk through these things then there's education and there's learning to be had from all different types of people and I think we can learn so much from each other I think that's so powerful and it it, it, it truly is a, an important conversation princess I cannot appreciate you more for giving up your time I very much appreciate you I know you're super busy any last words of wisdom before I let you go and take over the world with your orange hair <laughs> oh, last words of wisdom. You know, I'm in a place right now where I just feel like if I had some to tell my younger self something, I would say, calm down. 
it's going to be okay. Because I think when you're younger, you're always just wondering and you're running around and you're doing all this stuff, just wondering like, am I going to make it? It's gonna, am I going to be able to do what I want to do? Everything's going to work out in, in your favor. It really, really will. Um, some of the things that I've learned, like, you know, meditation, prayer, taking time for myself, going out into the elements and breathing and putting these computers and all these things down sometimes is the fuel that you need to be able to come back and have a clearer head. Um, but I mean, it ultimately just remember the thing that I said earlier is that life is not happening to you. It's happening for you. And everybody has something. We're all going through something. You know, I have my something. We all have a something. <laughs> no one say that all the time. Nobody doesn't have a something. No, no one's exempt. You're not alone. You're not alone. We all have something. It's just about how you choose to respond to your to your something. You can look at it in a negative way, or you can look at it in a positive way. I was sharing with, with one of my mentees. She and I was saying to her, she was, you know, kind of down on herself. And I said, one of my mentors told me, if you're being negative, you're wrong. <laughs> I like to be <laughs> so anytime you, anytime you feel negative, you're wrong. You're you're yeah. wrong. So so that. try so now get back on the right side. <laughs> Absolutely love it. No, I love that. Thank you so much. You've been a legend. I can't wait to see all of your things that you create. And I'm I'm coming to LA in June and we coffee or tea yeah, or something. Man, please, please, please call me. The only thing that would keep me from you is work. And if I'm in LA, I'll just make you come to my set. <laughs> oh, I'm I love a good TV set, I'm not gonna lie. So I will be the I'll be the runner. I'm happy to make tea and coffee. I'm good. Like I'm you know, get me a pair of trainers, sneakers, whatever you guys Americans call them, and I'm I'm away to go. Princess, thank you so much. You've been amazing. Thank you. You are too. Thank you for having me. And that concludes today's episode with me, Leona Burton. You have been listening to the Rebel Influencer Podcast. Wow, what an episode. Before you go, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Peaks Private Members Club for their sponsorship. Just remember, Peaks isn't just about events. It is about creating an environment where entrepreneurs who are serious about scaling their business coming together with a focus on mastermind sessions, unique mentoring, and deep, meaningful connections and conversations. Peaks is about redefining the entrepreneurial journey. Discover more at peaksprivatemembersclub.com and make sure you go and follow Nicola Peak on Facebook or any of her other socials. For our listeners, Peaks is offering a special opportunity. Reach out to Nicola and mention my Rebel podcast and you'll be in to receive an exclusive discount.